James, if you'd like to do the intro, I'd be happy to hear. So tonight we have a caller who writes, Steph, last week I basically got fired for my online display of my worldviews in extreme opposition to masks and lockdowns. I've already lined up a new job in a better location with more pay. I'm all set, and life goes on so I'm not dwelling on it. What I am dwelling on is my father's response to this. I live states away and, and am independent from him financially, but we call each other usually about twice a month. He's a self-made man who came from nothing and worked really hard to get to the place he's at today, which I've learned really learned to respect, admire, and be inspired by. He says that he's viciously opposed to and disagrees with all of the demoralizing of the West happening right now. We talk about it all the time, and he seems genuinely aware of the communistic monster that's being disguised as protection over health against a deadly virus, which is what made his response to what happened with my job so hard for me to understand. This is what he said when he found out. Your social media isn't that hard to find. Plus, your face is all over it. If you think logically, you work in a high-risk environment. These companies that own facilities like the one you work at must take every precaution to protect their residents. If they have an outspoken employee that doesn't believe in the protocol that is required to protect the residents, then they have to look into it. You have to conform to the rules laid down even if you don't agree with them. The only way out is to be self-employed. Even then, you have to conform to rules laid down by authority. I know there's a little bit of truth in that statement, but I'm really torn on how to approach him about this going forward because I don't feel we disagree with most of the tyranny, but he seems to be validating it. And I don't know what to do to show him the error of his thinking and the importance for me to continue to be outspoken about it in like-minded communities, both online and in person. Hmm. I just saw that uh, Parler has been removed from the Google Play Store. And I think that Apple is threatening to remove it as well. So, yeah, it's a, it's a cultural coup, right? They're just furthering the divide. And I guess this is all the healing and reconciliation that was promised. So, listen, I don't want to trip necessarily a landmine for you, but um, what uh, are some of the, uh, the, the biggest and best arguments about uh, masks that, that you've come across? Well, I mean, I, I like to do like what I call the real world um, like assessment because there's there's a lot of things that we can learn online, um, and I have learned a lot online. There's a you know several people who they I've, that I follow who just like specifically focus on all of the studies that have gone, uh, you know, in the direction of masks don't do much to help. But my my main like argument is like the real world argument. Like, and I look at reality and. Uh, and everything around me, and I think about what's going on and, and how I see it, because that's the best thing that you can do to find out information, I think, is you, you can't, like, deny things that you see happening, and, like, maybe there's a lot of different places in the world, but a lot of what I see is just, it's not people, like, getting sick and, and just dropping dead like they made it seem like at first. Um, like, I see a lot of people who, like, just, they excessively go with the uh, with narrative, like, my former boss, um, he, he was like, so what happened was is they, they changed from the face mask to the face mask plus the face shield. And I don't know if you've ever seen that, but it looks so ridiculous. And that's the point where I was like, okay, I get that I work with the elderly, but I was like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to wear the face mask and the face shield. Like they kept trying to, you know, make me do it. But um, the crazy part of this whole scenario is like, there's a little bit of a, I submitted the question like maybe, I don't know, two weeks ago. 
maybe longer. I'm not sure. But like, what's happened since then is uh, I got a phone call from like my my boss's boss, and I basically got removed from the account I was at. She called me on like my personal number and was like, "Hey, listen, how you feel about COVID? It's how I feel about COVID." And then she told me like, "Hey, I got an opportunity for you. You can like be like a traveling manager. You can leave this account." So it kind of like didn't actually backfire, which is really surprising. So that that part of the whole situation makes it kind of different. So I just wanted to include that as well. Right. No, I mean, I've I've heard from some people on the left uh, that uh, they're happy to uh, happy to agree with me in private, or they find the arguments that I make interesting in in private. But you know, they just can't uh, uh, they just can't do that, right? Yeah. So, okay, so what do you think the story is with your dad? Uh, I think he gets worried. I think it's like a fear of like me calling him like, hey, I just, you know, screwed up my whole life. I'm coming home. Can I come live with you and all your grandkids? Because he he supports my uh, oldest sister. She's like, I think, 35. And she's like got two kids and she, you know, homeschools them and He's basically like the, the granddad slash dad to the kids because there's no like father in, in their life. It's kind of a weird scenario. But then my other sister had a baby in prison. And my family is really kind of like crazy. And then that, that baby also lives at that house. Uh, and so, yeah, like I just don't want to go there either. It's not like I'm trying to go and help uh, make that any worse than it already is. Cause it's not bad. It's a good household to be in. But it's like it's really complicated as far as grandkids go and and it's just not the normal setup. But uh, I think his fear is me calling him and saying, hey, I got to come home because I just spoke out against uh, the things that I disagree with. And he's like, oh, shit, you know? <laughs> oh, so you think he thinks that there may be some, you know, you're going to end up dependent on him financially or something like that? That's my most, like, that's my best guess. Uh, your best guess. Now, um, have have you asked him directly? Uh, I've not, but, um, you know, now that I'm in this situation, it has kind of resolved, but like with, uh, what you were talking about yesterday on, on, on D live, like really, I struck a chord with me. I really, really like, enjoyed, um, we know it was yesterday, it was Wednesday, uh, but I really enjoyed that stream. And like, what I was curious about kind of to like, cause like I said, the question is like a few weeks old, but to like kind of shift like into like, what's more relevant now is, is, is kind of like what's going on with Trump and everything. I think that, that, that there's a point in time a couple months back where I was kind of I was kind of I kind of fell for it like I kind of like got like trapped in that whole Trump logic where I was like yeah this is like a thing that's important and then what I realized like it, in my current uh, mindset is like I think it was all this, this whole time kind of to get people like me to that point and I've kind of like blocked out my uh, sister and past friends because they're so far left and like I kind of like became like a person who did exactly what I think was intended to happen from this whole uh, Trump-Biden thing, and like I just disconnected with important family ties. But what you said yesterday was really, really interesting about how how it's really important. Like, and if you really care, you gotta like have those hard conversations. Um, and I kind of want to like figure out how to do that with the people who uh, I've pushed away. You know, like my mom and my uh, my sister, because I don't really like talk to my family, and I think maybe I should. You know what I mean? So, talk to your family about what. Anything. In particular, I completely just they we don't talk because of the arguments we've had and the times that they call me a conspiracy theorist and this and that. Like I, I don't have, like it's it gets pretty bad every time I try to bring it up with those people. And what happens if you bring up 
you know, the, the reason and evidence that you believe. Well, uh, um, I basically did, yeah, uh, go ahead. Outburst. I'm sorry, say again? I said, like, I get, like, an emotional outburst. Like, it kind of just turns into, like, my mom is really sensitive. She'll, like, cry about it. And she'll tell me that, like, she's just so heartbroken about it. And I just, I want to be able to, like, kind of restore. And my dad has completely blocked off my whole, uh, like, other half of the family. And I, and I don't know what to do with, like, I don't ever see them, and I think I think family is pretty important. And I think I've kind of gotten to the point where I want to try to mend things with those people. But like with what's going on right now, it's like I want to also be passionate about that. And I and I don't think that's a bad thing. You know what I mean? I don't know what you mean because it's all too general to to have any judgment about. But let's go back to your mom. You said your mom is very sensitive. Yes. So, to what do you mean by sensitive? I mean, if I so if I bring up something about how I feel about like how. Uh, you know, she loves mainstream news. She she just like eats it like popcorn. You know, it's it's her favorite thing in the world. So whenever she does that, um, like, and I just kind of like, I it, it makes it really hard for me to like to 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 take her seriously. And I, I bring up stuff, and I I really try to dig deep. And like, she just asks me, "Who is this person who said this? And how are they credible in the subject? Like, they're not mainstream news." And she'll start to cry if I bring it up, like, because I get kind of passionate about it. And I, I, cause I don't want her to be so misled, but she's just like, she's like a journalism major and, uh, she's got like so much invested in it. And I think she's just so indoctrinated and I'll tell her that too, but like, she just gets so sad about it that I don't, I don't bring it up, but where we're heading is like a country. I think it's like kind of important to, uh, to talk about the stuff with people you care about. But why, sorry, I'm not sure why you think she's sensitive. That's what I'm, I'm trying to sort of fathom if that makes sense because it seems to me that if she's just using emotional manipulation to shut you up i don't i you know i'm, I'm happy to be corrected i just don't see how that's sensitive no i mean maybe, maybe that's exactly what i need to hear like because I, I really don't know like i i really it's been like a lifetime of that like where if it's something that she disagrees with me on um like on a deep level she'll she'll cry about it and like I do feel pretty guilty sometimes. So that's why I don't talk to her about the important stuff. Okay, so when you bring something up that she doesn't like or that troubles her, she gets emotional and then you stop talking about it, right? Yes. Right. So it it works. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> I guess it does. So that's not sensitivity. That's just a winning strategy, isn't it? I mean, she she pretends to be sensitive or upset or whatever, right? But that's the old Warren Farrell statement, right? That a man's weakness is his facade. A, a, a man's weakness is his facade of strength, but a woman's strength is her facade of weakness. I've never heard that, but I like that. I like that a lot. But it's very true, right? I mean, that, that women, by pretending to be hurt and upset, can, you know, men can move mountains for all of that, right? That's true. I so I, I, you know, so you have this thing. Well, my mom's so sensitive that I don't want to upset her, and it's like, but if you bring up information that upsets her, and then she gets upset, and then you stop talking about it, then you've just, she just got what she wanted, which is for you to stop talking about that stuff, right? So, I mean, if you just, I'm just telling you from my perspective. The first thing I look at with most people, not with you, not with most of the people who listen to the show, certainly not with friends, not with family, and all of that, but. <laughs> The, the one, when I meet most people, I'm looking for a transactional analysis. 
a transactional analysis. What I mean by that is it's not a particular moral issue that people are going to make their decisions on. They are going to, in an amoral fashion, for the most part, they're going to try and do what works, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But I don't know. I don't know where to go from there because I mean, it's not just uh, these. It's like it, even my dad. Like I, I, like we kind of bond. But I mean, he's a super Trump guy, and like I don't know. Like and then also, I started this group on um, online, and it's like it's been really cool. I've been meeting some really cool people to uh, talk about this kind of stuff with. But then it makes him think I'm gonna like get arrested or something. I just I, I organized a maskless shopping trip like. A couple weeks ago, and it, like it, it made some people super pissed off. But I'm, just, I just, I've been disconnected from all these things that I do and that I care about from the people who I care about for a long time now, and I don't know how to like combine the two. Well, you can't. No, no, hang on, you can't. Yeah. Because you can't make choices for other people. You can attempt to influence them, right? You can try to give them the facts, reason, and evidence that they need to make a good decision. But you can't, you can't make that, like, you you wouldn't have a relationship with someone if you could just, in a sense, stick your hand up their back and make, turn them into a puppet, right? In other words, if you could control their free will, they wouldn't be choosing you and it wouldn't be a relationship because they wouldn't have any choice at all, right? I guess so. I guess so, but... I'm also starting to feel like I need some more of this um, kind of real life uh, meaning, but maybe, maybe I don't. Maybe I don't. But um, I'm just there's a lot of uncertainty. Like, cause I, I see things going in the world the way they're going, and I don't know if I'm crazy, but like it really looks like it's going like downhill. And I'm not trying to blame the outer world and any of the problems, because the problems aren't that bad. I'm pretty grateful for that. But like, there's things that if they do go bad. I'm just worried about some of the people because I guess I care about them, you know, because I don't, I don't want them to, to be led astray, but they're probably going to. Okay, so do they, uh, do they care about you in terms of are they willing to listen to the arguments that you make? It doesn't mean you're always right any more than I'm always right or anyone's always right, but do they care about you? Because, listen, uh, man, right? affection without reciprocity is just exploitation. So tell me how your mother or your father, I mean, let's start with your mom. How does your mom show that she cares about you? And I don't just mean she's worried about you. I mean, she she cares about you, what you think, what you feel, the arguments that you make, why you think what you think. How, how does your mom show that she cares about you? I mean, like kind of cliche, like texts, like, hey, I really wish you were here. I'm or like photos from like childhood, like remember when we did this? And I'm like, yeah, I do remember that because I was close to her growing up and everything. Uh, she she was a lot more emotional on the surface than my dad, so I was really. So yeah, there's sentimentality like, there, and that's sweet and that's nice. I've got no no complaints about that. But yeah, in terms of caring about you in the here and now. I mean, I don't know if there's if there's a whole lot, but I mean, I think it goes for everyone in my family, and that, that's the thing that's kind of hard to like. I mean, I guess I I, I don't. Like, I don't know if it's like the most important thing in the world, but it's like Okay, let me let me ask you let me ask you a question, right? So you were just job hunting, right? So let's yeah. say there's five employers out there 
and they offer you a range of salary from fifty to seventy thousand dollars, right? Now, if you are very happy to take the least salary, will you ever get the most salary? In other words, if you take the fifty thousand dollars, will you ever, in that moment or in that day, will you ever get the salary of seventy thousand dollars? No. No. So, in that instance, and this is a obviously an analogy for something much larger. You will only get ever in life, you will only ever get the bare minimum of what you're willing to settle for. You'll never get more. In other words, if you're going to put up with bad relationships, you'll never get good relationships. If you're going to put up with low pay, you'll never get high pay. If you'll put up driving a, put up with driving a crappy car, you'll never get a better car. Yeah. So the relationships that you have, they like the the, the 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 lowest, cheapest, least intimate, most manipulative, most bullshit relationship that you have, that's all you'll ever get in life. And I'm not trying to pick on your mom or try I'm just this is a general principle here. You will never do better than your lowest common denominator. Now, what do you want in your relationships? What do you want from a girlfriend, a wife, the mother of your children? What is it that you want in your relationships in the future? I think it's reality. Because like, like, that's another thing with the girls in my life. I kind of go through experiences where like I'll have like a long term long term girlfriend and it'll kinda like collapse and crumble. And what's what sucks is that like I feel like the thing that I'm seeking is like somebody like who because I've had both ends of the spectrum. Like the person who is just like so like phony baloney, like I agree with what you think and I totally see it the world this way. And then you realize like no matter who you are, that person's gonna like mold themselves to be that way. And then that that's no good. And then if I also the other end where it's like, okay, at first, it seems cool, but then you realize that none of your passions or your interests are like aligned with each other, right? Uh, at all, and they're not even pretending to. And I and I think that realness is like what I'm, because I, I have to fake it with so many people, and I'm so tired of faking. It, you know what I mean? Because like with work and everything, you got to be like somebody. You got to be like charismatic and, hey, I'm working here. It's like so you know you don't just like you can't show up and be like a, hey everybody, you know the world's gonna end, or else they wouldn't want you to work there. Oh, I mean that's only gonna get worse over the next year. Yeah. With the U.S. economy, what did it shed? A hundred hundred thousand jobs or more just in December. And of course, everyone's saying, "Oh, but it's coronavirus catching up," and the blah blah. It's like, no, 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 no. It's politics. Come on, come on. Yeah. You think a lot of people are going to start a lot of businesses under Biden? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. So yeah, this putting up the fake front uh, is uh, only going to only going to get worse. So, you want reality, truth, curiosity, honesty in your relationships, right? And I'm very heavily lacking it. Right. Right. So, imagine this. Imagine your girlfriend, who's deep, wonderful, philosophical, connected, real, and meaningful, comes to visit your mom with you, right? 
and you're in the room with your mom, maybe a little bit on one side of the spectrum, and with your girlfriend, or fiancé maybe, kind of on the other side of the spectrum, right? What is your girlfriend going to see in you? Um, probably a little bit of uh, disingenuous behavior. She's going to see you shallowing out a little bit, right? Appeasing and, and, you know, laughing and and staying on the surface and that kind of stuff, right? Of course, but, like, my my mom's always, like, that pretty apparent dislike for uh, the girls that I've been with. And then my dad always... Okay, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, let's let's stay with this. We'll get your, your mom and the girlfriend and we'll get your dad. Stay with this for a sec, okay? So you need to see things from a woman's perspective. You need to see things. Okay. First of all, first iron rule of women, okay? Women can't fool women. Right? Everybody repeat after me. You don't have to. Women can't fool women. Iron law. So, you may be like, oh, my mom sends me all these sweet pictures and, and with a child and, and, and do you remember doing this? And, right? and that's going to be all sweet for you because you've got a history with your mom and you care about your mom. And, right? I'm not trying to stand between you and, and that. But what's going to happen is your girlfriend is going to come and meet your mom and she's going to have your mom's number down to the last detail in about 4.8 seconds. Women can't fool women. So, your fiancé is going to sit in the room, sit in the dining room table, whatever it is, with you and your mom, and she's going to see you performing all these tricks to appease your mom, right? And she's going to figure out, your mom, you know, basically, here's what happens. We, we men, we're like retarded puppies. You know, we're just, we're just running around the world, panting for approval and, and begging to be liked and this, that, and the other. But you know what women do? In in general, women turn and wink at each other over us, right? So in a way, you got to figure it out from your girlfriend's perspective. Your mom is going to be looking over at your girlfriend. She's going to wink at your girlfriend, and she's going to mouth, I own him. And I own him with manipulation. I own him with sentimentality. I own him with history. But I own him, honey. Wink, wink. And she's going to get that message, you know. That's what, women, like, that's what women do, is they understand other women. That's one of their main things. And like, we're all out there hunting and figuring out the world and building bridges and going to Mars, and women are out there figuring out mostly other women, right? Which is why all these female-owned and female-operated and female-centric businesses all tend to collapse, right? Because... Everybody's sussing each other all the time, and there's not as much productive work. And listen, wonderfully productive women out there, tons of exceptions. This is just a bell curve here, right? So your girlfriend is going to come over and going to see you jumping up and down like a puppy dog to get your mom's approval. And your mom's going to be winking at your girlfriend saying, I own him, honey. I own him. Now, what's your girlfriend going to think? If this scenario, which I think, it's true, right? If, if it is true, what will your girlfriend think then? Less of me. 
maybe. Well, yes, to some degree, for sure. But that's a very male perspective, right? In other words, you're thinking about status, but that's not what women think about. She'll, she'll probably think less of you, but that's not going to be her major concern. What would, I, I don't know. I'm not sure what it would be. Well, I'll tell you. Women see relationships tunneling into the future pretty much to infinity. So your girlfriend is going to look at your mom Winking over you saying, I own him, honey. Don't even try. Don't even try. I own him. Now, she's going to look forward and she's going to say, okay, so if I date this guy, we get married, we have kids. The mom's going to be over all the time. All the time. Now, the only authority I can possibly have in this family is going to be through my husband, through you, right? That's the only authority she's ever, because she's an outsider, right? So the only authority, because listen, she's going to think there's going to be times when my mother-in-law and I are going to disagree, and sometimes it could be kind of significant, right? Now, the only authority I'm ever going to have in this relationship is through who again? Hey. I'm sorry? My mom? Yeah, so the only, the only authority she's ever going to have in her relationship with your mom is through who? Me. Yeah, that's right, through you. So she's going to look at you, deferring to your mother, and she's going to say, if I get married, he's going to defer to her, and I'm never going to have any sway, any juice, any authority, any credibility in this family, ever. Because the only way I'm going to gain credibility is if my husband stands up for me, even if it means at the cost of his mother in the short run. So she looks forward to decades of seeing you vanish and appease, having no authority, and the mom kind of smiling at her like, yeah, I, I won. I not always win. If you want to attract a quality woman, you have to, have to, have to be willing to oppose your mother because she knows that's the only way she's ever going to have any say in her own future in this family. So I wanted to, to kind of tie that into this. This is something I've been thinking about as you're saying this. And so my, um, everybody, you know, I have three sisters. And then, so there's two of my sisters have had uh, kids. Like one of them has two and the other one has, has, sorry. Yeah. One of them has two and then the other one has one. And none of the, um, none of the kids are being raised like by their biological parents. I mean, like my sister, she um she she so she's like fully dependent on, i mean she doesn't have a job and like i, I don't think okay, why are we talking about your sisters help no, me understand is, we're I, trying I, to I, talk I, about I, you I, and I, your I, future and i'm i'm happy to be dragged off the sister path but i don't know why i'm just i'm just asking how that would tie in because none of their biological no, no, we're talking like, about you why are we talking about your sisters now because my mom is you're saying that this drives away a partner you know yes but what are we talking about stuff in the past with your sisters we're talking about your future that's fine. I was just curious if that was tied into it at all. So you want me to talk about your sister's ex-husbands no, 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 no. rather than your future wife? I will. I, w I absolutely will. I just, if you want to change the topic from you to your sister's, you need to give a brother a break and tell me what the hell you're doing. That wasn't my intention. My intention was just to, to say that um, if it was because they have, you know, the same, the same mother. So I didn't know if that was related to what you're saying, you know? 
as far as... Um, oh, you think that... Okay, so is, is the threat here that maybe this is what happened to their boyfriends? Yes, that's, that's, that's essentially yes. Okay, okay. See, just, just you know, help, help a brother out. Like, we don't have eye contact here. I can't see you, obviously, right? So if you're going to change the topic from you to someone else, and we're going to go from your future to their past, just tell me what the hell's going on, because otherwise I'm like, where where are we going here, right? No, yeah, that wasn't my intention. I, I, I apologize. Well, so um, men... I obviously don't know what happened with your sisters and, and their exes, but my guess would be something like this. That your sisters and the mother combined to the point where the men couldn't have any say, and men and women get kind of tired of that situation and tend not to stick around. Yeah, I didn't mean to reflect or anything. And, and the way to test this, the way to test this is, is pretty simple, right? There's, there's no point putting forward a proposition about things that happened without any empirical evidence. So let me ask you this. In your family, when or how often do the men get to be right? Um, usually never. I'd say like maybe one percent of the time. Maybe maybe one percent. Okay. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating. So maybe 5%. so, are the women in your family married to complete morons? They're not married at all. No, but your mom is. Oh no, she's not. She's not. Oh, they divorced. Okay, so did but they? She, okay, she that's a, fine. She got a ton of Sorry. money in the divorce. Did they marry complete morons? Because if you're with someone and they're right only 1% of the time and you're right 99% of the time, it's because they're a complete idiot, right? You'd think so, yeah. You, one would assume. If but they're was, not, right? The, the men no, in your family, not. I mean, you, you're, you're a smart guy. I assume your dad's a smart guy. So, yeah, smart guys, right? I hope so. I, I like to think so, yeah. No, come on. If you're listening to this show, you're top 1% easy, right? <laughs> and you're you're processing and navigating pretty complex stuff in this conversation. So yeah, you're you're fine for all of that. Okay. So this is a fundamental question. If you as a man can't easily think of times where you're in the right, you're screwed. Your relationship is screwed and you need to act like your house is on fire, like right now. And you're gonna have to wrestle for equality, right? And, and it's going to be a fight because women, again, this is generalizations, doesn't apply to, blah, blah, blah. but women really, really like to be right and yet end up about as unhappy as you can be if they are continually, quote, right. Right is like, a, it's like a drug for them, right? I mean, it's, it's, it feels good, but it destroys your life. So women will work very hard to be in the right, and they might pout, they might slam doors, they might whatever, right? Withhold sex or affection. Or they, 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 they might really work hard to be in the right. But if a woman gets to be continually in the right, the relationship ends. Do you know why? What? 
Can you guess? I mean, you've lived this, right? You've seen a whole bunch of these relationships with these cocksure women. It doesn't, it doesn't continue. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's another way of saying it ends. So, but why? Because of a lack of um, taking initiative to stand for what you believe in. Okay, it's kind of generic. What is it that the women end up missing the most? Something along the lines of strength and and somebody who can. I, the wording is, is is slipping my mind right now. You know, something. Can you, can you just give me your um your, your answer because I feel like I'm really sure. Sure. So I mean, this it's just my answer, right? It's not some the answer, right? So, a woman has a choice, right? There's an old song by Simple Minds. Don't you forget about me. Do you, do you remember that one? Oh, I love that song. I yeah, it's a good song, song, right? I, I, I mean, I kind of do. <laughs> right. Um, so, I won't hurt you or touch your defenses vanity insecurity vanity insecurity right i always remember that just as two little words it was quite a rabbit's hole for me when i was younger now the woman has a choice in a, in a relationship now the temptation is vanity and vanity means i'm always right that's the temptation is vanity that i'm i'm just so superior i'm always right now, if she pursues that goal of vanity and claims that she's always right and bullies people who she disagrees with, either overtly or covertly, either aggressively or passive-aggressively through playing the victim, which is what I sussed out with your mom perhaps earlier, if she pursues vanity, she loses security. For a woman to feel secure, particularly if she has children, she needs to feel that the man is strong. But if she's always right, the man is weak. So she can't be secure if she pursues the vanity of always being right. She'll enjoy the vanity for a short amount of time, but she's choking the living shit out of the relationship. And she will not feel secure. Like, why, why is women's anxiety so high these days? Because the way that you destroy relationships is you put forward a cultural and artistic narrative that women are always right and men are kind of dumb. That wrecks relationships. Like, you couldn't engineer, maybe it is engineer, I don't know, but you couldn't engineer a better way to destroy monogamous long-term relationships than to continually praise women as being in the right and portray men as kind of dumb. Because that feeds the worst beast in women, which is vanity. It feeds the worst beast in men, which is deferral to the female. And the woman gets high on vanity and then she gets terrible anxiety because she doesn't feel protected in the vulnerable situation of being a mother. She doesn't feel protected. She has terrible anxiety. With the anxiety comes an increased sex drive and a desire to have an affair, to attach to another man who is going to be strong enough that she doesn't feel anxious. Nothing is more joyful than a secure and protected woman, in my experience. So that's why I wanted to know how often the men were right. With your sisters, to tie this in, your sisters combined with your mom, choked 
off any possibility of equality with the men because the men were basically, you know, the the joke that, that women make, you know, here are my three children, she says, pointing at her two children and her husband, right? And we men, we will often fall into this self-deprecating humor. And it can be funny, but man, you got to assert. It's not healthy for the woman, for yourself. Like women have to assert too, assert your needs, assert your preferences, assert your pleasures. But as a man, if you buy peace and feed the woman's vanity by pretending that she's always right, you're going to destroy that relationship. And it can be a pretty big fight for a man to try and, well, not to, you don't try, you don't try to be assertive, right? There is, uh, this is from an old, gosh, Perry Schneiderman? I can't remember. There was an acting teacher. And when we were studying acting, people would, you know, try to summon these emotions. You'd have some big scene where you're supposed to be crying or, or laughing or angry. Or people would, like, work themselves into a frenzy. It's called pushing. You, you push the emotion out. It's kind of uncomfortable to watch, right? And so I remember one, one of the actors in the theater school, and this, this, is the, this is the premier theater school in Canada. This isn't some, you know, basement acting studio guy. This is like the National Theater School. They take like 1% of people who apply. It's, it's top tier. So they were very good acting teachers, right? And there was this guy, he was trying to do this scene, and, and he was trying, you could see him trying to work himself into tears, right? And the acting teacher said, stop, stop, stop. And that was, you never wanted to hear that. Like, stop, stop, stop. He said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm trying to cry. And he said, the acting teacher said, that's not, that's not how it works in life. In life, most times, particularly as a man, you're trying not to cry. Right? And he said, nobody in, in life tries to cry. That's not how life, I mean, unless you're a horribly manipulative person, right? You're trying to summon tears or you're a toddler trying to pretend, you know, the fake cry to get attention or whatever, right? He said, nobody tries to cry. Crying just happens. And the guy didn't understand. And he understood it intellectually, but, you know, the acting teacher wanted to make sure he got it emotionally. And the guy was sitting. He said, okay. He said, let me explain it to you this way. He said, I want you to stand up. Guy stood up. He said, okay, I want you to sit down. He sat down. He said, okay, now I want you to try to stand up. It was kind of this pause. Uh, what? Try to stand up. And he said, what, you mean like I'm paralyzed or in a wheelchair? No, no, no. Just as you are, try to stand up. And of course, it was kind of, and, and so eventually he wrestled himself to a standing position and the acting teacher said, okay, now I want you to try to sit down. And then he got it, right? It's like, okay, so I'm either sitting down or I'm not sitting. I don't try to sit down. So he said, look, you either do the work and then the emotions come or they don't. But don't force it. Don't push. Don't, it's uncomfortable for the audience. And it's, you know, you're not in the scene anymore, right? And it's the same thing with assertiveness. Don't try to be assertive, right? If, if you believe that you're right and you believe that your girlfriend or your wife is wrong, you say that and you say why. Now, if they try this, you know, this could happen male to female or female to male. They try this thing about, you know, well, I'm upset that you're disagreeing with me. So, 
Does that mean I'm not allowed to disagree with you? I mean, and let's, you know, you can have the better conversation. When was the last time that you admitted that I was right and you were wrong? Okay, should, should it be that rare? Because listen, if you're so superior to me that you're always right and I'm always wrong, you shouldn't be with me, right? Because that means you, you aimed way too low. <laughs> like you just aimed way too low. You know, you just aimed, you know, like Charlize Theron dating Danny DeVito. Like you just, from a physical standpoint, at least, you, you may have just aimed a little low, right? Literally, I guess. And so, you know, and, and you can say, Looks, I've had this bad habit of deferring or appeasing, you know, I thought it was kind of funny, I thought it was kind of cute, I thought it was kind of cool, but, you know, let's not, let's not take that seriously, right? You know, it, to some degree, it's like when you play wrestle with a kid, right? There are these studies that come out of, I think, mice, I think it's mice, that when an older mouse, a mouse, when a younger mouse play fights with an older mouse, the older mouse has to let the baby mouse or the young mice win at least 30% of the time, otherwise the younger mouse doesn't keep playing. So, you know, when you are, uh, when you're a parent and you're play wrestling with your kids, you, you have to let them win from time to time. You don't just dominate them, right? You have to let them win from time to time. And I'm not trying to say that women are like children. I'm just saying that if you kind of play act that your wife is right all the time or your girlfriend is right all the time, you're killing the relationship. You're just killing it. Because women have hypergamy, which means that they want to get the best possible man that they can get. And if the best possible man that they can get is wrong all the time, they feel like crap deep down and their their private parts will turn full Sahara over time. So the reason I'm saying all of this to go back to your girlfriend meeting your mom is this. She's going to look at you and she's going to say, who's going to run my marriage? My husband? Nope. Me? Nope. Who's going to run my marriage is my mother-in-law. So I'm basically marrying into a battle with a mother-in-law that I can't win because my husband won't stand up to his mom. And you'll, you'll notice this if you keep a really keen eye out on this stuff. You'll notice this. And this is probably what's been going on. We'll get back because I told you I'd back up to where your mom and your girlfriends were hanging out. So what happens when you bring your girlfriends over, I bet, is that your mom does things in a very subtle way to assert dominance, maybe put you down a little. Your girlfriends see this, and it causes problems. You're not sure exactly what the problems are or why they occur, but things just don't work out that well after that. So it's, I don't know if this matches your experience or anything like that, but uh, what, what's been going on with your mom and, mom and your girlfriends? Yeah, I mean, it, <clears throat> it does definitely match it. It's like, it's kind of weird. It's weirdly supportive in the in the beginning. It's like, oh hey, like, so cool that you got like this girl. She's really like pretty. Like that's awesome. And then they they meet, and it's like this kind of silent like, uh, just kind of feeling like, and it's like, clear in the room. It's like there's something that's not really like uh, right. And basically, it in a weird like way because every girlfriend that I've had, like I mean, I've only had. Uh, two girlfriends in the last like three years but both of them maybe it's four years but both of them have like met my mom and then it, like it that there's only one time that it happens but in a way i'm thinking about it and it kind of obviously it doesn't go anywhere and then it ends but i don't know 
Maybe it's related. Maybe it's not. But I, wait, I, did it, so? I assume that with these girls, sorry to interrupt. It ends. It, did it end after they met your mom? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so yeah, the moms wink over your nodding and bobbing head to the girlfriends, and they say, "You can have him from now, but I get him when the kids come. I'm gonna I'm gonna rule everything when the kids come. When you have kids, I'm gonna be swooping in there. I'm gonna rule everything." And that is just not appealing to women at all, any more than it would be appealing to you. True. Right? I mean, if there was some girlfriend you had, and, and then she had a really overbearing, bossy dad, and she kind of vanished and appeased him every time, and he's like, well, I'm going to be over all the time when the kids are born, what are you looking forward to? Not that. <laughs> not that, right? You don't want that? I don't know. And, you know, I mean, they call it colloquially the shit test, right? Which is that women will have to remind themselves that you are dominant in some areas. Not all areas. You don't want to be a bully or a boss. And, and it's, you know, it's called the division of labor, right? It's called the division of labor. And, you know, it's your wonderful donations uh, that, that help me pay for my dentistry, right? If I got to have a, I've got a problem with the teeth or just need a regular old cleaning or whatever. And so with my dentist... She's dominant in dentistry, and I'm dominant in philosophy. doesn't mean I dominate her or she dominates me. It's just that that's where we're dominant. So you got to give your wife, and not just give, she's got to earn her areas of expertise and authority, and you got to earn yours. And yeah, you'll occasionally try and overstep onto her turf, and she'll try and overstep onto your turf, and that's fine. It's not the end of the world. It's not a big deal, but you got to have your areas of competence. you got to have your areas of expertise. And you also, you cannot appease your mother in front of your girlfriend. Oh, my God. That's, that's a sex and relationship killer if ever there was one. You cannot appease your mother in front of your girlfriend. And if your mother tries to put you down using the human shield of meeting your girlfriend for the first time, it sounds rough, man you got to put your mom in her place. Then you'll get laid. I know it's all so primitive, but it's just the way we work. It's just the way we work. You have to put your mom in your place if she tries to put you down in front of your girlfriend. And believe it or not, your mom will also be happier because power corrupts. And you, sh- and you can't give people 99% right in a relationship because power corrupts. It may, it may be what we want. It just corrupts us. That's all. Just don't give, you don't give cocaine to people. You don't give power to people over you. You just don't. Even if the coke addict wants the cocaine, you don't give it to him. And even if somebody wants to be right all the time, you don't give that to them. It's a drug. It's, it's uh, unfair. It's unjust. It, it corrupts people. It's too much power. And they'll get bored and move on anyway. Like, you just... Might as well just break up right then and there, in my opinion. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense because I usually over I overanalyze the situation whenever they they meet. Like, and it's it's that on my end, it's a terrible idea because I just try to tell them how to be and how to how to act and not to bring up this or not to say that, and it's super controlling and it's not a good look. Yeah. I remember having a conversation with a listener many years ago. I think it was a, just a chat. It wasn't even a show. And he was saying his dog's 
both his, his dogs bit him, which they'd never done before. And these were not young dogs. These were not puppies. They'd never done it before. So it turns out that he'd taken his dogs over to his father's place. His father had yelled at him, and he just backed down, right? And then later that day, his dogs bit him, and his dogs were there when, with his father, right? So do you know what happened? What? Well, the dogs viewed the owner as the alpha, right? And then the dogs, when they saw their owner get yelled at by a super dog and back down, it meant that they now viewed him as an equal, not as an alpha, and then they were going to bite him. That's weird. It's not weird. It's perfectly packed mentality, right? It's true. And we are we're mammals, man. <laughs> we are apes with a brain, right? And so if you allow yourself to be put down in front of your girlfriend. And listen, I'm not saying go punch some guy who looks at you funny. I'm not taking anything to do with violence or anything like that, right? Your girlfriend wants to feel yeah. secure. Your girlfriend wants to be, feel safe. And your girlfriend wants to feel that you're in her corner. In the same way that if there's a conflict between you and her family, let's say her mom has an issue with you, whose side do you want her to be on if you're uh, doing something right? Of course, mine. Yeah, you want her to be on your side. You yeah. know, this is the thing, man. This is one of the, one of the, one of the things that's so important to understand. When you want to settle down, you want to get married, you want to have kids. You 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 detach from your parents and you attach to your wife. That's the deal. That's that's what happens. Now, it doesn't mean you don't care about your parents. It doesn't mean they're always wrong. You never call. I'm not talking about that. Your loyalties transfer from your parents to your wife. Your loyalties transfer from your parents to your wife. Why? Because your parents are the past and your wife is the future. Doesn't mean your wife is always right. Doesn't mean your parents are right. But your fundamental loyalty has to be with the mother of your children, not the mother of you. Has to be if you want the relationship to work. And of course you do, right? Of course you do. And it's, so it's, it's out of loyalty to your wife and out of loyalty to your children that you refuse to be put down by anyone except yourself. It's fine for you to make a self-deprecating joke. I do. There's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, like how black guys use the N-word, nobody else can or should. I don't even think black guys should, but that's the way it is in society, right? Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, no one can put you down except you. You can make a joke that's self-deprecating, that's fine. That shows a kind of strength, right? That you're willing to be good-humored about yourself and you're willing to admit fault and, and you know, all of that, right? Yeah. But don't you dare, for the sake of your relationship, for the sake of the love in your woman's eyes, and for the sake of your future children and the stability of your pair bonding, nobody puts you down. Nobody puts you down. Now, I just want to be clear, because people get kind of hinky. I'm not saying you, but people get kind of hinky around this stuff. I'm not saying you're never wrong. But nobody gets to put you down, insult you, or, or sort of imply that you're somehow incompetent or whatever, right? Or just kind of laughingly in the wrong or like a child or whatever, right? Nobody. And if you want loyalty from your wife, which you do, 
then you have to show her maximum loyalty. You know, and I've said this to my daughter. Sorry, switching gears a little bit here from husband to father. I've said this to my daughter. I've said, listen, my dear, in any conflict that you're in, I am absolutely going to assume and publicly assert immediately that you're in the right. Now, it may be the case later that you're not, in which case we'll deal with that. But I know you, I know your heart, I know your values, I know your mind, I know your intentions, I know your morals. In any conflict, you know, some kid comes up and says, Izzy pushed me. I am on your side 150%, right there, right then. No question, no doubt. Now, that's such, a, that's such a powerful statement, but that you know that situation has never once occurred. And do you know why it's never once occurred? Why? Because the kids all know that that's my stance. Now, have I ever told them? No, it doesn't matter. It's body language, it's ether, it's mystery, it's mind reading, whatever it is. It's never occurred because the kids won't try it because they know. They know in some weird, simian, instinctive gut bacteria way, they know that they wouldn't be able to get away with it for a moment. They wouldn't be able to drive a wedge between myself and my daughter. I would automatically side with her, so they don't try it. Now, you got to have that same loyalty. you got to say... <laughs> it's tough, man. But you got to say to your girlfriend, in any conflict between you and my mother, I'm going to assume you're correct in the moment. Now, it doesn't mean we can't review. doesn't mean, like, you know, maybe you're not. But I'm telling you this right now. In any conflict between you and my mother, you are my first priority. She's the past. You're the future. She's the relationship I didn't choose, though I still treasure. You're the relationship I choose and so treasure even more. She's not going to be the mother of my children. You are. She's not going to grow old with me. You are. I don't sleep with her. I sleep with you. You are my number one priority. Now, because you are my number one priority, I'm also not going to let her put me down because that's going to harm your respect for me. Because you got to show your girlfriend that she's marrying a man, not a boy, and certainly not a mama's boy, right? You a bit of a mama's boy, maybe? Uh, it's, it's true, man. I, I hate to say it, but yeah, of course. Listen, there's no shame in it. I was too. There's <laughs> no shame in it. It's just what we're taught when we have dads who don't stick up for themselves. Then we end up being mama's boy because we gravitate towards the most powerful and, right, we understand. But, you know, she, the, the, the woman, a good woman's not going to want to marry a mama's boy, right? You know, you know that, right? Of course. So... Can you think of something that your mom might have said that might have put you down in the presence of your girlfriend so she can assert her simian dominance over you and therefore over her? Do you remember anything that came up? Or Yeah, I mean, a lot of it like is kind of the stereotypical, um, you know, oh, well, uh, if, I, so if I was doing something good for myself, that like maybe it wasn't like a... Uh, 
like it's, it's embarrassing, but you know, like this is about probably three years ago. So like I'm doing, you know, my laundry now, and uh, my mom's like, oh, wow, you know, I never, I never knew that he knew how to do it himself. It's like this sort of like jab, you know. Wow, and and would she say something like that in front of a girlfriend? Yeah, that was like a that was like a direct quote. <laughs> Ooh, man. Now, was it true that you did know how to do your laundry? I mean, I, I like my mom. Like when I lived with her, and uh, that was for a while, like uh, until I moved out to a different state on my own. Like she, she would excessively do that kind of thing. Like you know, laundry like was one thing in particular that she'd always just do because she'd be, oh, yeah, I'm doing my laundry. Do you need me to do yours? And almost like thinking about it, like it seems like sort of a skill. That, like, it's super easy. Doing laundry is not hard, but, like, it was almost like it was impossible to do my own laundry because of the way she went out of her way to do it for me. And, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing mine. You want me to do yours? Like, sure, of course. It's easier for me. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, but there's a price to be paid for that, right? Exactly. And my name there's is, a feeling you know, of obligation, right? And she's trying to provide yeah. value to you in a way that's not uh, having to know, getting to know you. So when your mom's, how long ago... Did your mom say this comment about you? Oh, I did, who who knew that you had it in you to do your own laundry? How long ago was that? I think it was four years ago. And yeah. how long had you been doing laundry or known how to do laundry? Um, about a year. Right. Right. So if, and it's easy for me, right? So I'm just bungeeing it from the outside, right? So, but this is what I would say if my mom said that in front of my girlfriend. Do you know what I would say? What would you say? I would say, uh, Mom, I've been doing my own laundry for like a year. I mean, wouldn't a good mother know that? That's that's pretty solid. It's not mean. You're not no, calling her names. You're not insulting her. But you're just you're putting her back in her place. And you sh- and you know how exciting that would be for your girlfriend. I don't, but I probably... I, I, can I can you get into her shoes, though? And Oh, my God. This guy's not being bullied by his own... He's not being undermined by his own mom. Oh, my God. That's Alpha AF. <laughs> yeah, the, the he's going to protect part. me from her. And he's going <laughs> to protect me from myself. From my own female desire to always be right and to fall into the chasm of vanity and into the pit of anxiety. Right. Or, let's say you don't have, you know, some big verbal adroitness or whatever that's going on, right? If all you feel is, like, what did you feel when your mom said that? Like, hey, shut up, mom. Like, dude, like, it's not that I tried to be, like, that way, but, like, I just kind of moved out, like, a year ago, and... Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, no, I no, should, no, no. Just... Hang on, hang on. What did you feel? Embarrassed, of course. Like, yeah, embarrassed. Like, weak. Okay, and then what? Um, bothered, like, annoyed. Like, why did you say that? Like, angry, right? Yeah, angry. Yeah, mildly angry. Like, oh, look, I'm not yeah. saying you pulled out an axe. I get that, right? But it's annoying, right? Yeah, for sure. So, you know what else you could say if you don't want to do some big Oscar Wilde verbal adroitness move is you can just say, Mom, I got to tell you, that's that's an annoying thing to hear. You're really just annoying me. What? It was just a joke. It's like, no. Listen, my girlfriend's here. 
I don't like it when you pretend that I'm some incompetent person. I've known how to do my laundry for well over a year. And before, for some reason, Freud would probably spin in his grave trying to figure out, Mom, you wouldn't let me do my own laundry, basically. You kept insisting to do it. So, first of all, you insist that you do my laundry, and then I learn how to do it, and then you make a joke about me, not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you know how to do your own laundry, right in front of my girlfriend. Do you think that's a compliment to me or not? Why you put me down in front of my girlfriend? What's the matter with you? And then she'll do the, because when they're caught, right, this manipulation to court, they get transformed into humor. Oh, you can't take a joke. Why are you so sensitive? And then, oh, you're so sensitive, right? Your mom, who can't hear about the inefficacy of masks without bursting into tears, suddenly says that you're oh so sensitive when you object to being put down in front of your girlfriend, right? But just, no, it's not funny. It's not funny. It's not funny to mock someone in that way. That's not funny. So if you want to put me down, put me down, but don't. Don't, don't then put me down in addition. Because you put me down about the laundry, now you're putting me down by saying I don't even have a sense of humor. Can't laugh at myself. That's a, you, know, you understand, that's a double insult, right? Which means things are going to get more and more unpleasant between us until you stop putting me down. And I, you, you can take this as far as you want. If you're going to insult me now by saying you're getting too angry, I'll just go even further. But you got to stop putting me down. I didn't come into your house and insult you about something. Mock you for a supposed lack of knowledge, which I don't even lack. That's the funny thing. I know how to do laundry. And you think that you think that by complaining that I don't know how to do laundry, that this makes you look like a good parent? Like you didn't even teach me how to do laundry? What's the, what's the matter with you? You think that insults me? Are you crazy? Yeah, but that's what I mean by just, you don't, you don't even try to, you're just honest, this book, Real-Time Relationships, you should read it, people should read it, right? Just honest in the moment, that's what you think and feel. I, I'm, I don't know what you, but that's what would be, I think, going through maybe your mind, or, or certainly it was going through my mind in imagining that situation. Does that, I just, no, don't, I'm annoyed. Don't, don't do that. Yeah, it, it, it kind of goes excessively far past that too. Like, you know, I'm thinking about it. Cause, you know, I see my my family or not my family. I see my parents probably once a year, um, not anymore, but like for a while, it's like once a year. And then that, so the 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 tone of their visit after that point, both times that it happened, was like, well, not, not their visit. Sorry, my mom's visit was like, I just can't believe like you like were so rude and uh, you know, you basically ruined my vacation by being like like confrontational because in a way I do get confrontational about that kind of thing but it's like afterwards it's like I you know No but you're I confrontational agree. about the coronavirus stuff right? Yeah that too yeah Yeah well fuck that stuff man come on That's that's not that's not where your issues lie with your parents It's not it, it, this this is look do you remember what I said on Wednesday you said that that live stream really hit you in the nads right? And I was yeah. saying people focus on the big abstract stuff so they can avoid the real stuff in their lives. Yeah, uh, that hit, yeah, that did hit. So you're all a big on the masks and the masks. <laughs> it's kind of funny, right? Because masks are a cover-up for tyranny, right? You yeah. get the double meaning there, right? Yeah. So you use this topic of masks to cover up some, maybe some bullying that you experience at the hands of of your mom, maybe of your dad. And as far as your dad, like goes on all this. Listen, 
How okay? How old were you when your parents got divorced? Four. You were four, right? Okay. Yeah. Who the hell is your dad to tell you how to live when he got divorced with young kids in the house? And Come she on. took everything. She she's she's gotten and they got remarried when I was eight, and then they got divorced again when I was ten. And she took so much property, like so much, so much. Oh like, yeah, if you so if you count much. the hourly rate per lay, she's like Matahari, right? So yeah, it is. Okay, so yeah. like who the, this is the like you know honestly, Dad, I would say something like honestly, Dad, love you to death, but oh my God, you you cannot tell me how to live. I mean, you were way older than me, and you were still getting married and divorced and losing everything. Like, what? Come on. You you can't you can't make this many colossal fuck ups in your life and then try and lecture me on how to live. Like, oh my! And you say, oh, I learned from the wisdom of your experience, and someone's like, I don't know if you have yet. Dad learned from the wisdom of your experience, so you know, love you, but oh my God, please, please, get a sense of how you look from the outside, right? This is it's what's so hard for people, right? Get a sense of how you look from the outside. See, here's the thing. Being a public figure, you get a pretty good look of how you look from the outside because everyone's always commenting on how you look from the outside, right? Yeah. Right? And, but most people don't have that experience. Okay, how, how do they look on the outside? Now, when your dad says, son, I've got some good advice on how to live, and I assume he was older than you when he was going through this r- ridiculous second divorce, right? Of course. Right, right. So it's like, Dad, you were like 15 years older than me and still getting married and divorced to Mom, right? So, you know, pl- please look at you. Like, please understand the subtitle of everything you say when you give advice is, I'm totally full of shit. I would much rather lecture than learn. I made mistakes Way worse when I was way older. Like, that's that's the scrolling, that's the chiron, right? That's the scrolling subtext to everything you say to me, Dad. I got to be frank with you. Like, if you want to start giving me advice, <laughs> I don't even know what you got to do, but it's not just give me advice. Maybe you got to go to therapy. Maybe you got to learn stuff. Maybe you got to spend a long weekend telling me about all the mistakes you made so I get a sense of what you've learned. But you come a bungee in here, divorced when I was four, Married again when I was eight. Divorced again when I was 12. Was it 12 or 10? Um, yeah, 10 the second time. 10. Okay. Divorced at four. Married at eight. Divorced again at 10. Holy shit, Dad. I mean, I've seen pinballs with greater flight paths, like with more solid flight paths. Like, please, please, for all that's holy. Have a sense of humility when it comes to lecturing me about how to live. Jesus, H. Popsicle on a stick. You've got to be kidding me. That's a good point. Y- y- your big issue in your life is my my arguments for masks, really? You, you, you want to you be careful that I don't do anything that may be harmful to me? Dad, you married and divorced mom twice. When I was a kid, and a little kid at that, and now you're worried about what might affect me negatively? Are you kidding me? Could have used that when I was four or eight through ten. What the hell? 
Well, son, now that the damage has been done and you're a full adult, I'm very concerned about anything that might happen that would affect you negatively. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Dad, do you hear yourself? Do you have any sense of how you look from the outside? Any sense at all of how little credibility you have with me when it comes to advice on major life decisions? or minor life decisions, or whether to have a sandwich or soup. And same thing with your mom, right? You gotta be kidding me. Mama, dearest, you got to be kidding me when it comes to you giving me advice on how to live. Oh my God. Oh my God. I mean, I'm, I'm as likely to take makeup lessons from the it clown. Okay, you might want to use, might not want to use that last one, but but that's you know <laughs> that's a level of credibility. You know, I I remember my mom. My mom was like, oh, I don't know, some one of her relatives, one of her, I think her uncle had some book plagiarized and so she was like you know i would write my first book i was so thrilled at writing my first book it was called the jealous wars about world war one it's a great book and my mom did help me she gave me the german for the soldiers and all it was really, it was really helpful and she was good at reading it and she's but she was like always harassing me like you've got to mail it to yourself you've got to register it you've got to copyright it you've got to this you've got to that you right and i'm like holy shit i'm now Oh, how old was I when I wrote that book? 21, I think. I've, oh, so now I'm 21, and you're really, really concerned about protecting me when you used to beat the shit out of me when I was a kid. Like, I don't even know what to say. The people have so little clarity about how they look from the outside. It's it's jaw-dropping. Like, I won't even get into the details, but you understand, you understand what I mean, right? It's like, Oh, so so now you're really, really concerned that, that somebody might take advantage of me or, or my interests might get harmed in some manner? How about this endless parade of trashy guys through the place? Oh, think that might have had an effect? I think so I don't know. I, it, it's, it's, I, I have this, and it, it, you know, it may be too much. It may be too much. I'm fully aware of this. But I have this, there's a scene, it's a terrifying scene in... A streetcar named Desire. This older woman, uh, you know, who will never date in the daytime and will never date where it's well lit, she puts up all of this frilly crap around her sister's apartment where she's sister's living with this pretty brutal husband. And he ends up later in the play just tearing it all down just tearing it all down. And that scene was so powerful to me when I was a child. That scene was so powerful to me. Let me just see if I can find it. I won't act it out full, right? But let me just see if I can find it because it just popped into me. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Here we go. Here we go. So, this woman, she's portraying herself as a school teacher, and she is uh, uh, delicate and, and, and young, and she's put all of these 
little frilly papier, like frilly paper. I don't know what you would call it. A um, how does he mention up here? Oh, pa- paper lantern. He puts pa- she puts paper lanterns over the light bulbs so that everything is kind of soft and and foggy. And she portrays herself as so delicate and virginal, and so on. And she's not. Uh, she's not. And she was a complete slut. She slept with her students. She was dismissed from her school because she slept with students. Basically, it was a pedophile, right? And Stanley Kowalski, towards the end of it, and she's the, the woman's kind of going crazy, right? And she sa- he says, T- take a look at yourself here in a worn-out Mardi Gras outfit rented for 50 cents from some rag picker and with a crazy crown on. Now, what kind of a queen do you think you are? Do you know that I've been on to you from the start and not once did you pull the wool over this boy's eyes? You come in here and you sprinkle the place with powder and you spray perfume and you stick a paper lantern over the light bulb and lo and behold, this place has turned into Egypt and you are the queen of the Nile, sitting on your throne, swilling down my liquor. And you know what I say? Ha! Do you hear me? Ha! 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 I loved that scene. You should watch the Brando. I mean, he's terrifying in, in the scene, right? Which is, do you know how you look from the outside? She thinks she's some made-up fantasy of a womanhood, and she is a drunk who's put on a crazy outfit. And it's all a lie. And this, do you see yourself from the outside, is really, really important. Really, really important. And with your parents, you know, okay, so they can have this ridiculous marriage, non-marriage. They can have this get makeup, breakup, makeup, breakup with kids in the house. Okay. So you take that selfish shit, and you know what the price you have to pay? You have no credibility with your kids. And I just, I don't know. Maybe they do have credibility for other reasons, but it doesn't sound to me like you've had that basic fucking discussion of like, how am I supposed to take what you say seriously? Not just you, I mean, your entire generation handed us this world, right? That, that we have to try and find a way to make work, somehow, right? Somehow. So, when they're lecturing you, you know, people people will always try to lecture you. I, I, don't, I try not to lecture, I really do, and I, I don't have a big urge to lecture as a whole, but you know, I, I mean, maybe I can talk a little bit about marriage. You know, I came from a, a violent single mother, broken home, never knew my father when I was a, a, a baby and barely knew him after that. He lived, like, in Africa when I lived in England, Ireland, Canada. And yet I've become a great dad, a great husband. I've had a wonderful, stable, happy marriage for close to two decades now. So I hope that I have some credibility with regards to that. But can you imagine if I was giving marital advice after... Or life advice, really? Or love advice? After putting you and your sisters through what your parents put you through? Not just the instability, but the chaos, the lack of trustworthiness of human relations, the financial disintegration and desiccation and the lawyers and the stress and the, oh my God. Who the hell are they to tell you anything that I can see? Yeah. It's true. 
and then they're they're still raising grandkids kind of together. And that's what your girlfriends see. You understand? Your girlfriends see these very chaotic, confused adult infants, adult toddlers, and they see you deferring to people who've made such an unholy mess of their life at beggar's description. That these people who couldn't run their own lives worth shit will be in charge of her life forever. And you wonder why the relationships don't work out? A man looks at a woman, he thinks tonight. A woman looks at a man, she thinks the next 50 years. Would she want to get involved in a marriage where your parents ran things? Probably not. (laughs) Probably? Probably not. Yeah. Well, what do you mean probably? Uh, Definitely not. 100% not. So... I think that would be my uh, my suggestion. You know, it would be nice in a sense if we were not this way, but, you know, also be nice if we lived for 10,000 years and never got hemorrhoids, you know, but shit happens in life, right? So um, we have to work with what is. And, you know, it's just, it's a matter of self-respect too. You just don't let, you don't let people, you don't let people put you down, particularly in front of your girlfriends. And... You know, you can also, you, you can pull the, uh, you, you've got a lot of grenades, so to speak. You've got a lot of pins that you can pull with the guys to your mom, right? Oh, I can't believe you know how to do laundry. It's like, yeah, I wish you'd known how to do marriage. I think she did know how to do it when she wanted to. No, she knew how to do divorce. She didn't yeah, know how yeah. to do marriage, right? She knew how to do win everything from the divorce. Right. Right. So, yeah, I wish, you know, I wish you'd loved me enough to stay married to dad. I wish that you hadn't taken money away from me through dad. You know, so, but, but here's the thing, right? So, so people get so deluded in their own minds that, um, you know, there's a rape scene at the end of Streetcar Named Desire, which I think is wrong, unnecessary, ridiculous, terrible, stupid, pointless drama. It mars an otherwise great play and destroys, to me, the value of an otherwise great play. Because Marlon, sorry, Stanley Kowalski wants to get this crazy sister-in-law out of her house. She's insane. She's drinking him out of house and home. She's trying to snag one of his best friends into her an insane marriage. And, you know, he was together with this guy in the military. He's not going to let this happen. And he's asserting his dominance over her. He's bringing, he's the reality principle. He's bringing the reality principle to her. And then he ends up raping her, which, I don't know, it just, it never made any sense to me. I, I talked about this with Duke Pest. I've talked, I won't get into it here. Because to me, the way he gets her out, you know, the way that you get crazy people out of your life, just tell them the truth. Just tell them the truth. Mom, Dad, you got to stop lecturing me. You, you, like seriously, you, you have no idea how you look from the outside. I suffered through one of the top ten marriages from hell. 
in the history of the universe. And you guys want to tell me how to live? Like with no humility, with no apology, with no... You know, listen, if I go to a young guy with great hair and I say, you know, here's what you should do with your hair, I'm bald, it's like, uh, right? Do do you... Like, I could say, hey, I had hair like that when I was younger, so blah, 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 blah. I know it looks kind of ridiculous, me giving you this advice, but trust me, I know what I'm talking about. At least I've got to acknowledge stuff, right? And at least your parents could say, well, we know we completely fucked up your childhood, completely and totally, by with this chaos and marriage and divorce and marriage and divorce. So we may not have a leg to stand on when it comes to giving you life advice, but here's what we've... At least acknowledge it. But if they don't even acknowledge it, it's like, ah, where is the reality for these people? Where is the reality? But like me putting out the How Not to Get Deplatformed newsletter. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? I didn't laugh, but you know what I mean? I could at least say, well, I've learned some bitter lessons, blah, 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 right? But it's nuts. It's, it's, It's almost like a, it's the ultimate shit test is, if I say two and two makes a blue unicorn and will you give me $500 for it, are you going to say, uh, no, two and two makes four? Or you could say, oh, that's a beautiful blue unicorn. Here's $500. Is insanity going to dominate over sanity? And if your mother is going to mock you for something she's wrong about anyway, which is whether you know how to do laundry or not, after the childhood she and your dad put you through, it's an ultimate shit test, which is, okay, are you going to say it? Are you going to bring it up? Or is our craziness going to dominate the sanity that, that you actually, the sanity that you possess. Good point. But it's exactly what I, I, there's things that I don't think about, you know? I just think about the simple things, the easy way to go. No, no. <laughs> I get, look, listen, you got to know yourself better than that. Sorry, but you, you, you're a listener for a long time. You got to know yourself better than that. So here's the reality, man. You know all this shit. You know all the shit deep down, back to front, top to bottom, 360, n-dimensional, through time. You got all of this stuff written like Jesus saves sky riding on a clear blue sky. You got this stuff right down. Here's the problem. You bring this up with your parents, they'll hit the roof. Because when people get so enmeshed in unreality, reality becomes a predator to them and they lash out against it. Right? When, let's say, think of a single mom. Think of a single mom will often portray herself as a victim. And then you start asking, okay, were there any signs that the guy you had kids with wasn't the right guy? Wasn't the good guy? They'll get really angry, right? Because they genuine, they, they, they sort of, oh, you see these people with like storming the Capitol, right? Now, if, if they had done the work that I had suggested for many, many, many years and spent the last couple of years living their values in their personal life, well, the outcome would have been very different for everything, right? So they're mad that they gained weight waiting for the magic diet pill. When people get too enmeshed in unreality, reality comes along, they hit the roof. You're just trying to avoid getting yelled at by your parents. You're just trying to avoid getting attacked by your parents. That's why you don't bring this stuff up, because they'll hit... I mean, tell me if I'm wrong. Won't they hit the roof? No, you're not wrong. You're... <laughs> No, I was just I was just talking about it today. I was saying how much greater it is living in a different state than them because I don't have to deal with. It. I like them a lot better, and they they like me a lot better from a distance. But you still have to shut the hell up, right? 
I don't mean about the masks. Masks is a proxy. The mask is a red herring. The mask is a distraction. It, 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 uh, Have you it sat them that. down and said, where the hell were your children's priorities when we were kids? Like, where were your priorities regarding your children? Like, what were you doing? Getting married, divorced, married. Like, what the hell were you doing? Yeah, no, I haven't. And they both also they both also got married for the first time after they'd already been married from previous uh, people, and then they, um, you know, got like remarried to each other because they had a kid. So they already came into their marriage without like or with a kid from another marriage. Okay, so it's layers upon layers of and maximum fuckery, right? It. I've never talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, talk about it. Because this had a huge impact on you. It had a huge impact on your trust levels. It had a huge impact on what you view as adulthood. And, man, you got to clean this shit up in terms of the relational honesty before you bring another woman around your family, if you ever do. Because you cannot be pushed around by these people. Because it will kill your relationship. Because she'd be like, oh, great. The crazy people who got divorced multiple times will now be in charge of my marriage. Oh, great. You feel me? I do. It's a hard pill to swallow, but I'm I'm happy to be swallowed. There's no diet pill, man. (laughs) There's no diet pill to to end the convo on where where I started. There's no diet pill. No diet pill here. No, I don't want the diet pill. I'm happy. It's uh, eat well and exercise, and it's tough. There's, there's no shortcut. It is. All right. Will you keep me posted about how it goes? Of course. I, re- I really appreciate. It. Hey, um, man, you are so welcome. I, I really do consider it an honor, and I, again, I don't. I really, really want you to understand. Like, I'm an older guy who's hit my stride. And I don't want you to, for a moment, anybody out there listening, I don't want you to imagine for a moment that I was making any good decisions when I was younger. <laughs> I, like, I, re- I really, really want everyone to understand that. I got philosophy. I met a great woman. I hit my groove. I separated from an abusive family. And please, please, please don't feel less. Please don't feel at all that I have some magic high mountain wherein I've always been making great decisions. This is Battle Scar 101. You know, I, w- I was six or seven years off and on in a relationship that just was not working at all. And I couldn't leave it. And I've just, I've dated and made mistakes. And, and I failed to stand up for myself sometimes. I've st- stood up for myself way too aggressively sometimes. I happen to have found a kind of equilibrium now. But I'm just, I just want everyone to fully complete, especially the young men and young women out there, I have faffed up six different ways from Sunday, and I think I've been pretty honest and open about many, many mistakes that I failed to live my values in the way that I'm talking about for a long time, but I didn't have anyone telling me to do it. It's not an excuse. I'm just saying I'm trying to remedy that for people coming afterwards. So I hope that you and others and all like my literally beloved listeners out there, please accept my absolute humility when giving this advice, because you guys are making way better decisions at your age than I ever did at your age. And that is a beautiful thing to see, and I hope that I can help a little bit with that. So thank you, everyone, so much for a great conversation this evening. I love you guys so much. Have some faith and happiness in this year. Get yourself eating well and exercising with regards to philosophy. No diet pill is coming. No one is coming. Do not trust the plan. 
The only plan is truth. Thank you.